Do you hear that? Stop. Listen for a sec. That's the sound of background noise, and it's starting right now. Thank you so much for tuning into Background Noise. As always, I'm super excited. I have Desiree Dorian from Manitoba with us today. She's a really awesome country singer. Uh, I've met her. I actually got suggested to her from Brandy Vezina, one of our country artists in season one. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I always like to get the show started. Just tell me a little bit about yourself, your journey with music, kind of your little shtick. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I've been working in this business since I was about 13, 12, 13 years old. I um, wrote my first album when I was 13, recorded and released it when I was 14. Um, I make my home in Dauphin, Manitoba, which is in Treaty 2. I'm also a member of the Opaskwak Cree Nation, which is in Treaty 5. Um, so that meant when I was a little girl recording my first album that I literally had to take the Greyhound bus to and from Winnipeg on weekends to work with my producer, uh, which was, you know, looking back, quite an adventure. Um, and then I I went to, you know, finished high school and, and went to university. And in 2010, I, I finally released my second album. Um, so that would have been like 12 years after the first one. And so I've been working consistently in music since 2010. and. Um, yeah, making a living, doing what I love and, you know, meeting a lot of cool people and traveling all over the place. And yeah, I just, um, it's, it's a busy, crazy life, but it is pretty, uh, exciting also. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And I love to hear that people get to live their dreams when they're doing music. That's awesome. And that you've been doing it for so long as well. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your newer singles. I want to talk about That's How I Know off, I think, your new album, title track. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that song first? And then we'll talk about the music video because I really enjoyed it. Sure. Oh, thank you. That um, That is a song that I co-wrote with Tyler Del Pino. He's based out of Winnipeg. And we wrote that over Zoom during the pandemic. And yeah, I mean, I was... Um, that was actually one of the last songs that I wrote for this record. And I was looking for a more upbeat uh, track to include. And, you know, I came to Tyler with that kind of, you know, desire in mind. And I said, you know, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I, I want to create. And um, we just got to talking and I said, you know, love songs are always fairly g generic and relatable. And we were, you know, digging into that a little bit. And in the course of that conversation, uh, started talking about, you know, how, how do we know that we're loved and the ways in which we know that we're loved. And we just started brainstorming about, you know, that love really is a verb and talking about that and talking about, you know, how it's, it's not just enough for someone to say, I love you, that that needs to be followed with action and with, um, you know, tangible uh, demonstrations of love. And so, that's really, you know, how this, how this song came about. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's a fun, a fun loving love song that I think, you know, when I, when I heard it produced, I didn't know that it would be the title track, uh, or that I would name my record after it. But when I heard it fully produced, I thought this is a really fun, sweet song. And I mean, typically for, for folks who, you know, know my music or have followed my journey, 
I'm not known as being a real sweet artist. I'm known typically for, you know, sharing honest and and raw stories and being incredibly vulnerable. And so this track, I think, showed a, a sweeter, softer side of me that, um, for me, veered off of what I normally would do. And so I, I wanted to uh, to include it and to ultimately release it as a single. Beautiful. Do you want to tell me about the music video? That one um, was a bit more simplistic because of the story behind that song. So like I said, that song is really about love being a verb and, you know, ways in which we know we're loved. And <clears throat> I mean, budget is always a factor as an independent artist, right? I wouldn't, I didn't want to have a bunch of actors and and folks involved in this project. And so what we ended up doing is I ended up going to get video footage of people that I knew um, just in the community. And for me, it's always important, um, if at all possible, to include members of the BIPOC community. And so, um, you know, we had a two-spirited uh, couple in the in the video. We had um, uh, Indigenous couple in the video, uh, mixed racial couple in the video, which was really kind of cool. Um, you know, considering like this song, uh, you know, was released to mainstream country radio and you don't sometimes see that kind of imagery to follow, um, you know, with releases in mainstream. And so uh, that was a lot of fun to to include that footage. But as part of that, we also got still images. So I went and picked up, I actually went and stole my daughter's um, Polaroid camera, like one of her little mini, I don't even know what it's called. It's like a Fujifilm mini thing, kind of looks like a Polaroid. Yeah. And um, went and got those photos developed so that they looked like Polaroids. And then what we did is I rented this giant um, mansion of an Airbnb in Winnipeg. And we just strung these pictures up behind me during the performance component of the video. And then we used the the footage that I captured um, from, you know, my friends and family who volunteered their time to be in the video and it was just like me sitting there watching TV, uh, you know, and and then their video would transition into a still image. And um, yeah, so it was it was kind of fun to see, you know, people that I know uh, come to life in, in a music video. And I think it, I think they had fun doing it as well. And you have another music video out too, which was so much fun to watch. Really well done. The song is great as well. Wouldn't that be funny? Why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit more about that music video and that song as well? That video was a lot of fun. So that was a song that I released with Dave Wazalu. And that's also on my most recent album. And Dave, of course, is one half of Doc Walker. And so when when we wrote that song, um, we had actually, I had actually made one too many trips to the hospitality bar, in all honesty. And uh, Dave was somebody on my radar that I wanted to work with for a really long time. Of course, you know, being one half a doc walker. And I finally worked up the liquid courage to go and talk to him and ask him if he'd be willing to sit down and write with me. And he is one of the most humble people you will ever meet. And so he didn't even hesitate. He's like, absolutely, I will write a song with you. And so wouldn't that be fun was the result. And that song's about like, um, you know, it's also fun loving. And it's also it's about just like, the first stages of really, you know, liking somebody, but like being hesitant to, you know, cross over the line into the love zone. And um, of course, you know, when I was thinking about the branding for that track, because I did release it as a single prior to including it on this record, 
Um, you know, Dave and I are not romantically connected in any way, shape or form. And so I wanted the, the imagery and the branding and, and the video as part of that package to just be really fun and playful. And so when I talked to Dave and I don't know him really well outside of having worked with him on this track, um, you know, I just said, this is kind of what I'm thinking. What do you think? And he said, you know what? You have free reign to do whatever you want. I'm good to do whatever you're thinking. I trust your judgment. And, um, that was it. So he basically gave me carte blanche permission to do whatever I wanted. And, uh, I was talking with, um, feisty creative Bronwyn parks. Uh, they run feisty creative and they do all of my graphics and, uh, have helped with some of the branding and stuff. And, um, they suggested, you know, what about, what about something in a laundry mat as, as a single cover? And so, um, the more I toyed with that idea, the more I thought that would actually be a really funny scene for like, you know, playful flirtation between two strangers. And so, um, yeah, so that's, that's how that idea came about. It was, it was a lot of fun to film that video and Landon like, uh, directed and produced that. So that's awesome. Let's spin those two songs. That's how I know. And wouldn't that be funny? And then when we come back, let's talk a little bit about some of your older stuff. Uh, we'll take it all the way back to 2010 when we come back. It's when you bring me coffee at 7 a.m. When you make the bed so I can lay down my head. It's when you roll your eyes at me after something I said. That's how I know.
Listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. We are back. Thank you so much for tuning into Background Noise today. We're sitting down with Desiree Dorian from Manitoba. We just listened to some of the songs off her newest album. That's how I know. But I want to take it back to 2010. Uh, talk about your first album on Spotify, anyways. I think. You said you released one before that when you were really, really young. Couldn't find that one. But I did find Soul Back, Jack. So tell me a yeah. little bit about that one, writing that album as a whole, putting it out. 
Oh my gosh. I barely remember that, to be honest. Um, you know, I had been wanting to get back this. So I graduated from university in 2008 and I had really been trying to figure out because it had been so long since I'd worked, um, the business end of things. And like, you know, when, when, like I had a manager when I was 13, 14 years old. And when you, when you, um, start out really young and you have that kind of a team, you don't really learn and take the time to learn the business end. And so I knew that as an independent artist, I would really have to dig into the business side of things and really get my head around that in order to, um, you know, build a a foundation for myself really as a working artist. And so I actually spent a lot of time picking brains. I I attended, um, it used to be called AMP camp. I think the name changed to indigenous music development camp or something like that. I can't, I can't remember the name of what it changed to, but when I attended back in 2008, it was called AMP camp and, you know, people like Donna Merrill, people like Leonard Sumner. I mean, um, there were some, some, a, a lot of successful artists who came out of these programs. And what it aimed to do is to teach, uh, indigenous artists, the business end of, um, you know, the music business and, you know, to learn about royalty collection and neighboring rights and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, <clears throat> so that really helped to kind of give me a good foundation. And then I, I just talked to people. I talked to as many people who worked in the music business as I possibly could to learn as much as I could. And in the course of doing that, I, I started to get hired for gigs again um, because there had been a period of time where, you know, I hadn't worked in music for so long where I wasn't even getting hired. And so I started to get hired. And it, as part of that, I, I connected with a fellow named Aaron Chatterbaity, who was an up and coming producer at that time in Winnipeg. He now lives in Toronto and has seen a lot more success and is, you know, ridiculously talented and works full time in music and all of that good stuff. Um, but he was an up and comer and I was definitely an up and comer. And so we connected and I just said, you know, is this something that you would consider doing? And he says, absolutely. I will, I'd happily produce your record. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we, we worked with some amazing people on that album. I mean, the bros Landreth, uh, played on that record. Um, Jeremy Russo, who is like insanely talented from, from Winnipeg. Um, yeah. And just, you know, Aaron and I, um, co-wrote the bulk of the songs in that project. Uh, you know, some of which I look back now, I mean, the other thing too, to, to keep in mind is like in 2010, I think I was 25 years old. And so, you know, pretty green and pretty naive and, um, certainly not as advanced as, as some of the artists that I see now at that age, which is great. Um, but I just didn't have the development really like on the, on the business end of things or even the, um, artistic development, like, you know, the writing, I think, uh, I mean, I look at the writing that I did in 2010 comparative to the writing that I'm doing now. And it's just, it's almost like it's a different person altogether who wrote those songs, um, which is beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful evolution of growth as an artist. And so, um, yeah, so we, we, we worked, I don't know how many months at putting that, um, putting that, uh, album together. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and the, uh, yeah, that, that project got me a few nominations, got my feet wet, got me meeting with, um, you know, I, I look at it almost like a stepping stone project and, um, yeah. Right on. Uh, I want to talk specifically about soul backjack and I know you just mentioned, um, that that album got you nominated for some stuff, which 
I want to talk more in depth about some new nominations that you just announced, um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but first, tell me about Soulback Jack. Oh, you know what? I actually remember where I was when I wrote that song. I woke up one morning and um, I was literally just getting out of bed and I started humming because I, I didn't play guitar at all when I recorded that album. And I just started humming. So my writing process used to be that I would just hum a melody in my head, think of the lyrics, put it to whatever melody I could come up with in my head, take that to Aaron, and then he would produce it. And so that's essentially what I did is I, I woke up and I was like, I got my soul back, Jack, I did And um, yeah, I just, I took that concept to Aaron and and that's where we kind of came came up with, with that track. Right on. I love that, just waking up and it's just there, ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's spin that song. And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about nominations. Yeah. 
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. We are back. Thank you so much for tuning into Background Noise today. We're sitting down with Desiree Dorian. We just listened to Soulback Jack. Uh, that was off her first album on Spotify, but she did do one more before that. Uh, but that was all the way back in 2010, and she mentioned she got some nominations for that one. Uh, but I think I saw on your Instagram the other day that you've been nominated for Female Artist of the Year uh, for the MCMAs, along with uh, Brandy Vesna, who we had as well on season one, and uh, Emma Peterson. Tell me a little bit more about that nomination. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Like the first round of, of noms for the Manitoba Country Music um, Awards is it, it comes from uh, the fans. And so fans can log in, they can register for membership, and then they can put your name forward as a candidate for nomination. And ultimately, the folks who have the most um, the most votes in the first round wind up on the first ballot. And so that's how I got that uh, nomination. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just really thankful. Like I I know that, um, you know, I'm I'm getting older, and in the country music genre. Uh, women who age, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's a card stacked against you. But in addition to the fact that, you know, being Indigenous and, and being an Indigenous woman in particular, you know, um, Dr. Jada Watson, who is a musicologist from the University of Ottawa, released a study that, uh, a very recent study, I believe it's from 21 or 2021 or 2022, and compiled all of the data from uh the Canadian country music market. And basically what her data found is that uh, 0.34% of folks who receive airplay at country radio are indigenous women, 0.34%. So statistically, I have no business having my music on the radio. I mean, I I might have a better chance of winning the lottery. Um, And so the fact that, you know, I'm still getting nominations and still, being able to stay in my little lane and, you know, take up the little bit of space that I've managed to carve out for myself and do what I love to do day in and day out is it feels, it it does feel like I've won the lottery. That is honestly like that statistic right there is part of the reason that like I do what I do with this little podcast. I know it's not like real, real radio. We are in a community radio station in Edmonton. So you will get some SoCan plays there. That's fun. That's awesome. Um, but one day I do want to have my own radio station. I've said it before, I want to have my own community radio station. And you're manifesting. I'm manifesting it. I want it to happen. I'll, I keep saying it on air until it'll happen. And I want to increase that number exponentially. Like, not even just in the country field, but just give more airspace to indigenous musicians because there's some incredible incredible ones that I have heard that just absolutely shatter my mind and it just gets ignored by corporate and like corporate I worked in it for quite a few years and I actually worked at a corporate country station funny enough for quite a few years yeah and it's hard enough just as an independent artist to get on a corporate radio station rock or country I've seen what happens Mm -hmm. and it sucks and like I couldn't even imagine what it is like trying to get indigenous music on the corporate radio stations. So I love that we're able to play it some more and 
I want to get those numbers up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you see, um, and, and it could just be biased for me because I work specifically in the in the country music genre, but you look at the folk festivals right across the country and we're seeing more and more Indigenous artists being hired, but they're not in the country music genre, which is crazy to me because what is close to folk roots? Country, you know? And so, um, but but that we're not seeing that reflected in terms of who is being booked for these festivals. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a slog for sure. Um, and you really have to love it if you want to do it because it's rife with rejection. And, um, you know, I, I tell anybody who is trying to get their feet wet into this industry that you better have a thick skin because you're going to, you're going to be rejected every single day of your life, no matter how much success you see. I mean, well, let's, I want to spin some songs here. Um, one in particular We'll spin from Emma Peterson back again. That's one of her latest songs I think she just put out. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about her? Have you worked with her herself with music yet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, Emma grew up, um, first of all, she's significantly younger than I, but, and I call her junior and she calls me senior. Um, but we grew up 45 minutes away from each other. She grew up in a little place called Winnipegoses, which is literally, you know, 40, 45 minutes north of Dauphin, which is where I grew up. And um, I just remember her as a young kid, you know, playing her guitar and always being really sweet and really timid and really humble. And, um, you know, one of the very first shows we played together um, I remember her being so intimidated by me. Like she actually thought that I was somebody really special, which was hilarious, um, but also super endearing. Um, and then last year we actually went on a Western Canadian tour together, which was a lot of fun. And, you know, you think about like, I think about the age gap between her and I, and um, you know, it was, it was almost like touring with my little sister. Like she was just so much fun and, and, and the work ethic that she has and the, the um, you know, the, the good, um, morals in terms of you know just being respectful and being kind to people and um yeah just an all-around gem of a human being and I'm, I, she's getting some traction now and I just I hope nothing but the best for her uh in her career as she as she goes forward so yeah and I mean like I said earlier she was also one of the ladies that got nominated for the female artist of the year award uh along with Brandy Vesna who will also play one of her songs as well uh she is a kick-ass outlaw country artist uh have you worked with her at all no i haven't actually um we actually didn't even play our first show together until last november at a songwriters a, a women's uh songwriter round that was hosted by nicole ray who's an artist out of ontario and so um yeah but but it was it was really great to meet brandy she's been working really hard and doing some really cool things and so it was nice to finally put a face to her name. Right on. Let's spin a couple of those songs. And then when we come back, we'll bring it back to you. Talk about some of your music. Uh, one in particular really stood out to me off the 2017 Tough Street album. Uh, I think it goes really well with our earlier discussion uh, just about Indigenous music and Indigenous musicians. And we'll be coming up um, as well as Reconciliation Day is is going to be around the time that this episode comes out. Um, so I want to talk about that song. But first, here's Back Again from Emma Peterson.
Listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. Thank you so much for tuning into Background Noise today. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. We're sitting down with Desiree Dorian, a country artist out of Manitoba. We just listened to a couple songs there, one from Brandy Vesna and one from Emma Peterson. Desiree, Emma, and Brandy have all been nominated for Female Artist of the Year Award uh, with the Manitoba Country Music Association. Uh, so go follow that on Instagram. Check that out so you can vote for these ladies. It's going to be very fun. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about your music again, uh, specifically one of the songs off your 2017 Tough Street album, Taniwa Natanis. Natanis, yeah, Taniwa Natanis. That means Where Is My Daughter? Um, and I, I wrote that song. Actually, it was really um, interesting how that song came to me. I think of of songs, um, you know, I always tend to think of lyrics first before I think of melody. And when lyrics come to me, um, I mean, at the risk of sounding hokey, I, I, I do believe that they come from some other place. I don't believe that, um, you know, and not to say that my lyrics are so profound that they're coming from like a third dimension or anything crazy like that. But I do think that, uh, artists who are gifted with an ability to songwrite. I mean, I, I do think that that is a gift and it comes from somebody outside of myself. And that song, um, I had the lyrics and I could not for the life of me put it to my guitar. And then one day it dawned on me that it wasn't a guitar song, that it was actually a drum song. I'm not a hand drummer. Um, I've never played a hand drum in my life. So I, I phoned my older sister who lives up in Pimichigamak, uh, Cree Nation, which is in northern Manitoba. And I said, um, can you get me a hand drum made? And she said, yeah. And so we, she got me a hand drum. And I was finally able to put the music to that, to that song. Um, and, and basically it was a song about, you know, we were seeing the rise of um, MMIW uh, 2G happening in Canada. And um, I just, you know, I was a, a young mom myself of two indigenous girls. And I just keep thinking, um, even today, I keep thinking, you know, like my daughters are at increased risk of being, uh, of going missing. They're at increased risk of being murdered. And as a mother, I just can't even fathom, you know, the, the, the fear that is very real in terms of, you know, when they go off to university or college or when they go out with their friends, 
You know, are they going to be more, more, are they going to be targeted um, because of how they look um, as opposed to, you know, maybe their, their white peers. And so, um, you know, that was just something that I was sitting with. I was, my, my youngest baby was only three at the time. My oldest was uh, five or six at the time that I wrote that song. And um, yeah, it was just, it was something that I was sitting with in terms of, you know, fear for, for myself and for them as a mother, but also empathy for other moms who were going through, you know, that very real lived experience. And, um, that's, that's where that song came out of is, is really the spirit of empathy. And it really is, it is, it is a powerful sounding song. And I really do think it is because it includes that hand drum. I love like music with hand drums in it. I think it just, it's so powerful and beautiful and it has such an important message. Listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. We are back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Background Noise today. I hope you enjoyed that song. I mean, it wasn't a song full of joy, but it was such a powerful and beautiful song with a really important message to it as well. Um, I want to talk about 
one of the songs off your 2020 Break the Chain album. Because uh, I thought this one was pretty good. It, it had a pretty good story to it. I liked the buildup. I liked the writing composition of this one as well. Uh, this was Pretty Poor, Pretty Proud. Why don't you tell me about that song? Oh, yeah. I uh, That's actually one of my favorite songs off that album. Um, that song uh, was, I, I co-wrote that with Chris Bergafney. And um, basically, I wanted it to be about, uh, you know, I, I was raised by a single mom, my sister and I, and we didn't have a lot growing up. And one of the things my mom always used to tell us and instill in us is that, you know, even if you have nothing in the world, you'll still have your dignity and you'll still have your pride. And so, um, you know, we, I wanted it to be loosely inspired by my, my lived experience, um, being raised like that. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I grew up on the edge of the Rocky Mountain National Park in a 600 square foot home, 650 square foot home. And, and I just wanted to um, that to kind of be an anthem for for girls, you know, that you don't have to give up your dignity um, or your or your pride to, uh, you know, make a name for yourself and to take up some space. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted that to be a fun, upbeat song that I could play live and that could share a positive message. And how fun is that song to play live? Tell me a bit about that. It's super fun. I love, um, I mean, there's a really cool piano intro in it that I love. And I've been uh, playing live with a fellow named Mike Audette lately who plays a mean fiddle. And he does that part on fiddle, which is a lot of fun and gives me some space to intro it and tell the story about, you know, growing up on the edge of the Rocky Mountain National Park and being raised by a single mom, and, you know, living in a 650 square foot home, which for most people in today's day and age sounds crazy, but, um, that was my lived reality. And, uh, yeah. And then the, the chorus is just like, it's, it's super high tempo and, and positive and yeah, it's just a lot of, a, it's a lot of fun to play live. Awesome. Let's give that one a spin. And then when we come back, we will wind it down, but I do have one more. She's working double shifts at the park and dine. She sees rich kids come and go She's been on her feet all day while they're sitting on a gold mine Pretty ain't gonna love Pretty loves what she's got Pretty 
to background noise like what you hear follow us on instagram at background noise the show for links to episodes playlists and more thank you so much for tuning into background noise today it has been such a great episode thank you so much desiree for joining us as always i do have one more song to play and it's called one more i always like to end my show on a pun if i can (laughs) why don't you tell me a little bit about that song Um, yeah, that tune is a tune that I co-wrote with Stephen Arundel, who is a Manitoba guitar guru. Um, he was a fellow that I played guitar with for, oh gosh, since 2010. So for a really long time. Um, and then he started dabbling. Uh, actually we were, we were on tour one day, one year in, I don't remember where we were, Western Canada, maybe somewhere. And we he started playing this melody and i was like we should write we should write that i think that melody sounds really cool and so we finally did and i think at that time we'd worked together for like 12 years or something before we ever wrote our first song and and then he ended up producing it he was kind of dabbling in production and um and i said well why don't you produce it too and let's let's see how it turns out and so yeah, so it was kind of interesting to see, you know, how uh, a working relationship that I've had with with my friend for a really long time evolve into, you know, being a co-writer and collaborator on this track. And um, that song really is about, you know, being on the road a lot. Like it, there comes a lot of sacrifice with doing what you love. You know, I'm I'm on the road this month for, I think, 20 days this month. Um, and I've got two kids at home, right? And so for me to do what I love means that they, they have to live without me for that period of time. And so this song is really about, you know, sacrificing um, those kinds of things in order to do what you love and just wanting to be, you know, I, I want to be in two places at once is, is really how it feels. And, um, and of course that's not possible. And so it's just about leaving our loved ones behind so that we can do what we love to do. Awesome. Well, before we play that song, Uh, As I mentioned, we're coming up here on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And as Desiree mentioned, she is an Indigenous artist. And I think it is really important to talk about it. Um, So I want to give you a couple minutes here if you want um, to share anything about the Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that folks can do to support, um, you know, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. I think that there's still a lot of work that needs to happen. You know, um, a lot of my work when I get called to, uh, for bookings still comes around the months of June and still come around the month of September when, you know, we've got national 
uh, Indigenous Peoples Day and the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And, you know, unless unless or until the time comes where Indigenous artists are really being infiltrated at all um, in every month of the year, uh, you know, then change hasn't happened yet. And, um, you know, until a time comes where we're seeing Indigenous people positively represented in media, then change hasn't happened yet. Until a time that we're seeing Indigenous people being played in radio um, on a regular basis, change hasn't happened yet. And so, um, you know, and, and I mean, those are just the, the fluffy things, right? Like, I mean, there's so many more serious issues like, you know, the overrepresentation of Indigenous people in, in, in custody, incarceration in, in Canada, or the overrepresentation of Indigenous kids in care of child welfare agencies, um, you know, the the increased risk for Indigenous women and girls to be to go missing or to be murdered. Like those are the real serious consequences of racism in our country. And so uh, I just think that, you know, we're at a time now where we have the information in front of us. Let's learn and continue to learn as much as we can and, um, you know, take one step forward. And if I just think if each of us did that, we'd be in a much better place than we are right now. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And thank you for coming on the show today, sharing the stories about your music, chatting with me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, here is one more. the load, but the sooner I leave, the sooner I get to come home. I grab my bags in the middle of the night, gotta meet the sun on the highway lines, cause you can't deny a restless heart like mine. You know I hate to go. Give me one
Well, that's all I got for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to Background Noise. I had a blast. And hey, you know what? If you're a Canadian musician as well and you're thinking, I want to be on the show, just click the link in our Instagram bio at Background Noise the Show and we'll try to set something up.